All right, well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to James chapter 2. All right, we turn in the corner. We're in the second chapter now, right? James chapter 2, amen. Uh, we're going to continue to, to, to go along in the book of James. Uh, you're, I guess if you hadn't been here the last few weeks, we are in a series on the book of James. And so uh, this is actually week four of our series, and we're just really a summer series we're going to be going through for the next several weeks. Uh, and so um, we're excited about that. I'll, I'm going to continue on next week, and then my wife and I will be out the following Sunday. Pastor Kelly's going to keep it going, and so we are excited about that. Week one, we talked about turning trouble into triumph, and uh, we all go through trials and troubles. And as we heard, I mean, just in one week, you know, my wife and I was out of town for a couple of days, and while we were going, you know, three of these people had passed away, and so we know we all go through trials and troubles. And then in week two, we talked about how to handle temptation. We all go through temptation as well. We're all going to be tempted, right? Right? Jesus said you will always have temptation, right? There's always going to be temptation as long as we're breathing on this earth, but we showed how we can handle and overcome temptation. And then last week, uh, the title of the message was a question is, are you fooling yourself? Are you fooling yourself? And I took that straight from the scripture, or as James says, if you hear the word of God, and we talked about last week because they did, a lot of people couldn't read in the time this was written or didn't have copies of the, the, the word of God of the Old Testament, so they would hear the word. So we, it says if you hear the word and don't do what it says or you walk away and forget what you heard, you're deceiving yourself or you fooling yourself. So we talked about last week, not just being hearers of the word, but, but doers, obeying what the word tells us to do, whether we're reading it, and I encourage you, and I encourage you to continue to read through the book of James. My wife and I was meeting with a couple um, uh, uh, this week and, and and just encouraged them about their daily Bible reading. And I've never thought about it before. Just in that moment, in that meeting, I encouraged them, you know, man, if you don't, you could download the Version Bible app on your phone and they have the verse of the day. You can literally read the verse of the day. And then you, if you click on it, you can read that whole chapter. If you've never read the Bible, if you don't have a, a regular practice or habit of reading the Bible, you could start there. I mean, it gives you a scripture every morning. You can click on and read that whole chapter. I know a brother in the church. He's sitting in this building today. He told me that's part of his daily reading. You know, so I just want to encourage you to start reading the Bible. And then again, right now would be a good time to read the book of James, right? Start reading the book of James. Like tomorrow morning, you could start reading in chapter two and where we, you know, we'll be at this morning, part of chapter two and continue on. So we can't, we shouldn't only hear and read the word, but James tells us that we have to obey it. We have to do what the word tells us, what God is telling us to do. Because, you know, when you obey the word, you're obeying God. You know that, right? It's the living word of God. The, the, all the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, as it says written in Scripture. So when we're obeying the word, we are obeying Christ. Amen? So we're going to continue on today. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, and that's the section we're going to be in today. Uh, James says this, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, if you favor some people over others. For example, someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you could stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. 
you are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. I love how James doesn't hold any punches, right? You ain't got to read between the lines when James writing his letter, right? He makes it very clear. Come on, let's pray over our time in the Word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the for the truth and the boldness of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for uh, inspiring uh, men uh, like James to, to write the Holy Scriptures. And Lord, as we continue on in this book of James, Lord, in this study, would you help us, Lord, as we hear it, to, as we talked about last week, not only hear it, but receive it and obey it, Lord God. I pray, give us the grace to receive it, the strength to carry it out every day, to live it out in our lives. Lord, help me today as I preach your word. Holy Spirit, I need your help today. I cannot do this alone, nor do I want to. We pray, Lord, your anointing be upon me and upon all of us as we hear that we can carry it out and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Not only is the mature Christian patient in testing and temptation, which we looked at uh, in weeks one and two, but a mature Christian also practices the truth. And this is the theme of, 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 J, of this section of James chapter 2. As we talked about, if you wasn't here, the overall theme in week one, I laid a foundation and told you the, the back, uh, the backstory, the history on, on who James is and who he was writing to. But the theme, if you missed it, is spiritual maturity. That's the whole theme of this whole book of the Bible, the whole letter that James was writing to the church in Jerusalem was that was about uh, maturity, that we need to be mature. We need to grow in maturity. See, immature people talk about their beliefs, but mature people lives out their faith. See, hearing God's word and talking about God's word can never substitute doing God's word, which we looked at last week. So James starts out this section of this letter by reminding us, listen to me, the way we behave towards people indicates what we really believe about God. How we act, how we behave, how we treat people is really a true indicator what we believe about God. We can say we believe God and believe the Bible and all that, but if we're treating people with favoritism, which is what this section's about, it actually shows what we really believe, right? He says, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, but yet you show favoritism to others? And that's what we're going to get into today. So you cannot separate human relationships from your relationship with God. Did you know that? First John tells us that, First John 4, 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer. Listen, he's not even talking about people in the world. He says, hates a fellow believer. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God who we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So you see that? John's reiterating the same thing as we're reading about in James right here. So in this section of his letter, James gives us some reasons why and shows us how to live out our faith in Christ without showing favoritism to others. Okay, so let's look at that. The first way that we can we can live out, we the, the title of this message is true faith shows no favoritism. We can say we have faith, but we but if we're showing favoritism, if we're treating people uh unequally without equality, it says we really our, our faith is not true faith at all. So how do we do that? Number 1, follow Christ's example of how he treat people. How he treated people. Follow Christ's example of how to treat people. 
James 2.1 says this, my dear brothers and sisters, watch this. How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? You see, it says our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. We obviously, there's a lot of attributes of God's glory, right? Of Jesus' glory. But Christ's glory includes his resurrection, his ascension, and his second coming. Would you agree with that, right? You would agree? But also another part that makes our Lord Jesus so glorious is that he was sinless including the way he treated people. We talk about that all the time, right? Last week we talked about that that he was the sinless, spotless lamb. And he was sinless in the way he treated people. He didn't treat people with favoritism. Look at James 2.1. I love how it says it in another translation. My dear brothers and sisters, when you show favoritism, watch this. You deny the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ who has been resurrected in glory. See, our Lord Jesus was faithful to treat people equally and show no favoritism. He was faithful in that way. This is, this is interesting. Even his enemies saw this and admitted this. Look at Matthew 22, 15 and 16. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Then they sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God favorably. Watch this. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Isn't that interesting? Even his enemies saw that and recognized you're impartial. You don't show partiality. You don't play favorites with anybody. See, the Lord did not look at outward appearance. He looked at the heart. And, re- and we see that even in 2 Samuel, whenever God was ch- choosing a new king. They didn't, they didn't even consider David because how he looked. And God spoke to Samuel and said that. Man looks on outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, right? We see Jesus is the same way. We know Jesus is God. Jesus was not impressed with riches or social status. Amen? Y'all there this morning? That rain's not putting you to sleep already, huh? All right. Hopefully it keeps going. You have a good, good, some good silence to take a nap after service. In Mark 12, when the poor widow gave everything she had in an offering, Jesus said she had given more than the rich Pharisees, Pharisees who had boastfully donated a lot of money. They were rich and they gave a big old offering. And man, everybody was oohing and all and off because of how much money they were given. But here comes this little widow and gives two little mites, two little coins. Jesus said it was the rest of the money she had. And he was more impressed, so to speak, with her because he wasn't looking at the amount of money. He was looking at her heart, right? He also saw the potential in the lives of sinners, people that were lost, that weren't even saved yet. In Peter, he saw a rock. In Matthew, the tax collector, he saw a faithful disciple who would one day write a fourth of the Gospels. He could look past this man that was despised by other people and saw that the potential he had. The disciples were also amazed to see Jesus one time talking to a woman, just that in itself, talking to a woman at the well of Sychar, but Jesus saw in her an instrument of reaping a huge harvest of souls. You remember that? The woman at the well, once he read her mail and told her what she was doing and how she was in sin later, she ran to the village and told everybody and a bunch of people came to get saved, right? And his his disciples were even judging. Why are you talking to this woman over here? Because they didn't see past who she was, right? She was a Samaritan woman on top of that. So she was a woman and she was a Samaritan woman. And here's Jesus looking past all of that, knowing that if he reached her, when he reached her, she'd get saved and the potential she had. You know, we should do the same thing. Amen? We should look past how we see people. He even said, when people come into your meeting, even in church services that we have here, just because people look different than us, maybe by either their skin color or the way they dress or the way they talk, right? 
We shouldn't look at them any differently or treat them any differently is what James is telling us. See, we often judge people by their past too, not their future. We're also prone to judge by outward appearance rather than the inward attitude of the heart. See, remember, Jesus was the friend of sinners, though he disapproved of their sins. Let me be clear. It was not compromise, but compassion that caused Jesus to welcome them. Let me say that again. It was not compromise. Jesus never compromised the sin. It was his compassion that welcomed people no matter where they were from, what they looked like, how they dressed, or what they were doing in their life. I know I'm thankful. As I just talk about this, I pause and say, I'm so thankful that this church Pastor Todd and a lot of you in here welcomed me in when I came in here high as a kite many times before I became, got saved and was a member. I used to come here. I even remember one time I had set up a meeting with Pastor Todd because I was, um, I was, God was stirring me and I was getting drawn to the Lord and I had a bunch of questions. So I set up a meeting with him and then, um, I ended up canceling the meeting. I don't know why, but I canceled the meeting and decided not to come. And then, I don't know, weeks later, um, I see him at the UL basketball game and me and my buddies are there. Of course, we've been drinking and smoking weed. So I'm like high as a kite. I'm all, and I see Pastor Todd and I'm like, I'm trying to hide behind my friends. I'm like, man, my mom's pastor's over there and I canceled the meeting on him. I was like, I, I, man, he's, he's probably going to be mad at me. And I was trying to hide and he sought me out and he came to me. And he's like, hey, Brandon, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm like, hey, 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 Pastor, how you? You know, I'm like trying to, and not knowing he had the similar past, but he just loved me. He, man, I hope you reschedule our meeting. I look forward to meeting with you. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I look forward. He called the office and reschedule, and I'm glad I did. And I did reschedule, and he did. He met with me for about two hours and answered all kind of questions. It wasn't until about a year later I gave my life to the Lord. But every time I came here, I'm so thankful, right, that, that I, I didn't talk like everybody at church. I didn't dress like them. I sure didn't look like them when, when I was, you know, doing what I was doing. But people welcomed me in church. I'm thankful that that's how I got saved. It's because people in this church, many of you still sitting here, didn't treat me any different. So guess what? If we want to be effective and love people, we shouldn't treat anybody different that walks in this building or any event or anywhere else. Amen? And for the most part, amen. I know y'all are doing this. I mean, I love that. I'm telling you. As the pastor here, one of the greatest compliments I ever get is whenever I'll talk to people that are new members or new guests or I'll text them or whatever. And they said, man, everyone was so friendly to me here. Everyone was, was so nice and just welcomed me. And so for, I know y'all are doing that for the most part. I just want to encourage you here or any walk of life, right? So again, Jesus didn't compromise, but he had compassion. He welcomed them. And when they repented and trusted in Christ, he forgave them. Amen? See, we also tend to, sometimes we tend to judge people, well, again, what we see on their outward appearance. And I hit on this already. We often will think of things like social or economic status, color of skin, fashion, other superficial things that will carry more weight than the way people are viewed. Uh, by the way, we view people than the fruit of the Spirit. And l- let me say this, because we talked about the condition of the heart. Because I know, for the most part, everybody, most people in, in here at our, at our church treat people that way. But let me stop. I just thought about this. It's maybe not even how you treat them or what you say to him, but how do you think about people? When you just see somebody walking in or walking by or somebody, what's the, what's thoughts that come up in your mind? What's, what's in your heart? Because eventually, we're going to get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, uh, of course, I want our actions, but even in our minds, how are we thinking about people? We're going to get to that. See, some people, even in this case, they cater to the rich because they hope to get something out of them. Or the other extreme is they afford the poor because they're embarrassed by them. The Bible tells us we shouldn't do either, right? Jesus didn't do this, and neither will he approve of it. 
If we say we have faith in Christ, one of the ways to live out our faith is by treating others equally, regardless of who they are or what they look like. Amen? How do we do this? It's simple. Look at everyone through the eyes of Christ. If the person is a Christian, we can accept them because Christ lives in them, right? Amen? That's what I love about like Pastor Jacob doing at the open door. And we have the kingdom huddle meeting that we once a month where we, we pastors from all over Acadiana meet and Nathan puts on the gathering. Like I said, one, me and Pastor Sean from the body, we went fishing last week or a couple of weeks ago. And man, it's just, we all have different churches. Some of us, you know, we, we may believe a little different, not the basics of the Bible believe, but the way we run church and, and different things. But you know what? If they're believers in Christ, we should accept them and love them, right? I mean, we missed out on a lot of good relationships because it's like, oh, well, really? Well, y'all don't pray in the spirit. Well, no, I can't, I can't roll with you. Well, man, it don't matter. Just don't pray in the spirit around them. But you can fellowship with them and you can love on them and have a lot in common, right? You can welcome them in to where uh, you're at in your life. And if they're not a Christian, we can love them because Christ died for them. So I'm talking about everybody, right? We, we treat all Christians the same because they're our brothers and sisters. And if they're lost and they're, again, like I just showed, tells you my example, I'm so thankful that people loved on me and accepted me here and other places, right? Not only in this church, but people I would meet would just loved on me because they were trying to get me to come to Christ, right? It's Christ who's the link between us and others. He's the link of love. The basis of every relationship with others is the person and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So whether they, they're believers or they're lost. I heard a pastor say one time that he said, every person that I meet, I try to build a bridge from my heart to their heart so that Christ can walk across. Amen. Isn't that good? And I think that should be the motive we all have, especially when it comes to lost people. You connect with them and try to build a bridge that hopefully Christ will walk across. So let's follow Christ's example on how we treat everybody. Amen. So how do we do that? Number two, we obey the law of love. Obey the law of love. Look at James 2, 8, 9 again. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some over others, you are committing a sin. James makes it clear. It's not even like this is a little hiccup. It's a character issue. He straight up says you're committing a sin. You are sinning if you treat people differently or favor others. You are guilty or breaking the law. So James is quoting Leviticus 19.18 here when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting Leviticus 19.18 when he wrote that. We look at our Lord Jesus again, his parable of the Good Samaritan, right? He talked about this in, in, in Luke 10, and so he explains who it was. Jesus says that our neighbor is anyone who needs help, Right? He says, who is my neighbor? If you read it, you're familiar with the, with the story for time. So you can go check out the parable, Luke chapter 10. Jesus says, uh, you know, who is a neighbor to this man? Who's, who, we should love our neighbor. Somebody says, well, who's my neighbor? Anyone who is in need. See, it's not a matter of geography, but opportunity. Let me say that again. It's not a matter of geography. Your neighbor is not who lives next door. It's a matter of opportunity. Your neighbor can be somebody two hours down the road if they need help, Right? If they need you, the important question also to ask, why don't we flip it a little bit? Not who's my neighbor, but who can I be a neighbor to? Who can I be a neighbor to day in and day out? And why is love your neighbor called the royal law? Why did James call it the royal law? For one thing, it was given by the king. Amen. It was a command given straight from God the Father. He gave it in the law. Then God the Son affirmed it to his disciples in John 13. And then God the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with God's love and expects us to share it with others. Amen. 
The love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the scriptures say, so we can share with others. That's one of the reasons he calls it the royal law. Secondly, love your neighbors, the royal law, for this reason, the main reason, it rules over every other law that was ever given. To love your neighbor. It fulfills the law, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13, 10. Check it out. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. He uses that word again. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Right? If we love our neighbor, Jesus talks about it. I'm reading through Mark right now, and he was talking about it. Uh, I say that. He was talking about it again this morning. See, I was having a conversation this morning with him. You know, we was re- I was reading it. Right? He says, what's the most important? They challenge Jesus. What's the most important command? First, love the Lord. Your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he says the second is just like it is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you see, if you think about the law that was given, God gave ten commandments, the, the Pharisees, and, and they, they made it into hundreds of all these different laws. But if you think even today, stop and think about this. There would be no need for the thousands of complex laws that we have on the books today if each person truly loved their neighbor. You ever stopped and thought about that? There wouldn't be laws about not stealing and not killing and not abusing and battery and all. If we truly loved our neighbor, there wouldn't be those needs, right? Just as the rest. That's why Jesus said you're trying to fulfill all these laws, all of these requirements. But if you truly love God with all your heart and truly love your neighbor as yourself, you would be done. You wouldn't need any other laws to live by because you would be fulfilling all of them through your love for God and others. That's why the first part of our vision is for you to know God. When you come to know God personally, start to love God, you, it's an overflow of others. Then you live free. You find your purpose. And making a difference in other people's lives is loving your neighbor. If you love them, you're going to eventually make a difference in their life, right? So you see, showing favoritism can also lead to uh, us disobeying all of God's word. Last week we talked about obeying, right? If we if we disobey the law of love, we break that one commandment, it leads to other commandments or other parts of the scripture we'll break. Like any of the Ten Commandments, you'll find ways to break it if you treat people differently based on their appearance, social, or financial status. For example, if you show favoritism, it can cause you to lie. One of the Ten Commandments, you shall not lie, right? It also can cause you to covet or, or lead to idolatry if you're trying to get money, say, out of the rich person, right? They were showing favoritism to the rich because they was hoping they was going to give a little bit more in the offering that meeting, right? And so it can lead to covetousness. It can lead to idolatry, right, if we break the law of love. See, once we start acting on the basis of favoritism and rejecting God's word, we're heading for trouble. Amen? See, Christ's love does not mean that I must like every person or agree with everything he's saying. So let me say that, right? It doesn't mean that I have to even, you know, like them. I know my wife probably doesn't like me sometimes. Right? Right, babe? Is that right? She don't want to say that, but she loves me. But I know sometimes I could be tet do, right? I can be hard-headed. I can be stubborn. I could mess up, and I'm sure. Come on, somebody. Y'all, y'all just, you have the person you sit next to. You don't like them all the time, right? I mean, you don't like your kids all the time. I love them, but sometimes it's like, I'm about to put you outside with the dog, all right? You know, it's kind of like, keep on acting up, right? We love them. But all joking aside, it doesn't mean we have to even agree with people. I know, see, that's what that's what's happening in our country. I know there's people that their views and their mindsets and, oh, my goodness, are all the way out in the stratosphere. And then, so we get all upset and get mad, and we get to the point where we begin to hate that person. We don't have to like them and to agree with them to show them love. The Bible says speak the truth in love. Again, I'm thankful. It, the Bible also says God himself says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Nobody has ever been run to Christ because we're yelling at him, fussing at him, and telling them, you know, just how much we disagree and how much the heathens they are. 
At least I don't know of anybody that, that was, that was one that way. I mean, yeah, I needed to know that I was, I had sin in my life. I needed to know that I, if I died, I was going to go to hell. Not, I, I, but you know what? I was spoken to in, in love. Again, going back to that, me and Pastor Todd, even playing on talking about that. I was telling Pastor Todd how much I like desired to have a wife and I, and I wanted to be, to be married. And I was like, but man, you can't, I, it's, I can't really, it's hard to trust women nowadays. You know, you hear so many people cheating on each other and all this kind of stuff. And Pastor Todd gave me wisdom. He said, well, Brandon, you see the difference between like a woman that doesn't know the Lord and a woman that does. If they can hide, you know, uh, uh, their unfaithfulness, they maybe try to, you know, cheat on, on their spouse. But a woman that loves the Lord or fears the Lord, you know what? They, they know they could never hide it from God. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of woman I want. And he could see my eyes lit up. And then he said, but Brandon, you can't ask God for that kind of woman if you're going to be a horrible man. And I was like, you're right. Amen. So he was speaking the truth, but he spoke it in love, right? He was shooting straight. He knew exactly where I was at, right? And so there's a way to speak the truth in love. It don't mean you have to agree with people. Uh, you know, I may not like their vocabulary or their habits, and I might not want to be their intimate friend, but Christ's love means treating others the way God has treated me. Let me say it this way. Christ's love means treating others the way God has treated you. How has God treated you? Who's the people God sent in your life to love on you and, and to help you and to pray for you when you are out there, right? Whenever you, you didn't look like everybody else around you, uh, you know, that, that you were, you know, in, say in church or whatever, right? So that's what obeying the law of love means. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? I'm trying to make it clear here. I'm not saying we compromise, we agree with sin, lifestyles, all our kind of craziness, but the Bible says we can love them. We can have compassion on them. Again, I say it again. Every time Jesus had compassion on somebody, something supernatural happened. Whether thousands got saved, people got healed, or they had Jesus turn, you know, uh, a few fish into multitudes, it always started where Jesus said they were lost like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. He didn't do away with them or condemn them. No, he had compassion. He spoke the truth in love, and supernatural things happened. You know, it's an act of the will, not of emotion, that I try to manufacture. That's love, right? The motivation is that God be glorified through it all. We can only accomplish this through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we know love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you read it in Galatians, right? Galatians 5, love is a fruit of the Spirit. So this kind of Christ-like love only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, which goes back to why it's so important to be connected with the Holy Spirit daily so you can have that Christ-like love overflowing from you. Amen? Because if you're like me, you don't always want to love people. Oh, come on, y'all too holy. Y'all must be, y'all holy. I don't always want to love people. I know I need to, but I don't always want to, right? But it's not based on, on what I want to do. Remember this morning, I encourage you to surrender. It's not based on what I want to do. It's based on what Christ has told me to do through his word. And I know Christ is going to be glorified and more souls will be saved as if I choose to love even when I don't feel like it. And I know it's the same for you and me as well. But the Holy Spirit helps us the longer you go and the longer you walk with the Lord, he softens your heart and you begin to want to love people. The people that you used to be frustrated with or that, that you don't agree with, he softens your heart and you could love them. Amen? As I, and then as, as I start acting towards love with someone, I might find myself more and more drawn to that person. I may see something in them through Christ, like through Christ's eyes, that I haven't seen before. See, when you, be, when you treat people differently based on what they look like or disagreement, you have a, a, a preconceived idea of who that person is. But when you begin to love them through Christ and see them through Christ's, Christ's eyes, through Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, you begin to see them in a different light. You see that they're hurting. 
You see that, that, yeah, they got all this crazy dysfunctional behavior and they like me drinking and drugging and cursing and doing all this, this living an immoral lifestyle. You know what? But a lot of that stemmed from what had happened in my life and what was going on in my life at the time. And people around us, you know what? If we pray for them and have compassion, say, man, you know, what's really going on? You know, my brother was in the teen, in the teen challenge program and, and, and they used to always say that. When something would happen, they would always say, what's really going on? In other words, you know, what's going on in the spirit behind all this? Uh, what's really going on in the inside of person? And, you know, let's, let's look beyond the surface, what they look like, what they're doing, what they're not doing, and ask the Lord to show us what's really going on in their life. I love the scripture. Jesus says, look beneath the surface so you can judge rightly. Listen to this. You may want to write this down. We only believe as much as the Bible as we practice. Last week we talked about obeying. We only believe as much as the Bible as we practice. We can say we believe the word till the cows come home. But James is saying if you don't live the word, especially specifically in showing favoritism, then you don't really believe it. Just like if you say you, 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 know, you read the word and you don't obey it, you're deceiving yourself. If we don't live it out in every aspect of our life, right, then he's saying that our faith is not genuine. If we fail to obey the most important word of loving your neighbor, then we will not do any good with the lesser matters of the word, right? This is the basic and the most important, love the Lord your God and love others. See, this was the main problem with the Pharisees. They were careful about the minor matters and careless about the fundamentals. Every little law, every little thing, they they made sure they had all lined up. But the fundamentals of loving people and having compassion on people, they missed it. They broke the very law they thought they were defending. They would fight to the death about the law and argue with people because they were scholars, but they wasn't living it out. They wasn't practicing it. And we can do the same today. We can argue with people about the Bible, and it's great, right, you know, to be pro-life. Come on, somebody. We're about to have a shift in our country if, if, if Roe gets overturned, which I believe it will. Amen? And that's great. I said, that would be an answer to prayer. We've been praying about God in an abortion in this country for 20 years since I've been saved. We do walk for lives and, and everything. The APCC, our, our founding pastor, Brother Francis, started the pregnancy center and clinic. Right? It's amazing. And that's great. And we need to defend life. But, you know, at the same way, we need to live it out, too, and treat people, even that are having abortions, not like they're outcasts, but love them and speak the truth in love. Amen? Again, we can love the person even though we disagree with the sin, right? So we have to live it out. We can, and I, my point of saying that is we can debate over the Bible, and yes, we need to stand on the truth of the Word of God, but James is saying we got to live it out. Amen? Let's make a decision to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be more like Christ and not like the Pharisees. I, I know I've gotten convicted before where the Lord spoke to me, and I was just acting more like a Pharisee and a Levite than, you know, a born-again believer, Right? I know the word, I preach the word, all of that, but how am I living it out in my life? So number one, follow Christ's example. Number two, obey the law of love. And then number three, and we're going to end with, with, with one that's right between our eyes again, but it's straight from the scripture. Realize that we will be judged by how we treat people. We will be judged by how we treat people. Look at James 2, 12 and 13. Again, before you get mad at me, get mad at James, okay? So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. Man, it seems like that's an oxymoron. The law sets us free, but we're going to be judged. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Now, let me be clear. Both the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul assures us as believers we will not be judged for our sins. This word judge here doesn't mean judge to hell. It's not a condemnation to hell, right? There is a judgment that, that, that if we don't trust in Christ, 
We really, Jesus said, we've judged ourselves. But when he talks about judgment, I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures. That's not, he's not saying you'll be judged by how you treat people. You'll be, you'll be condemned. That's not what he's saying. It's how we live our lives. We'll be judged and we'll be rewarded or not rewarded by what we do with our lives. This judgment, again, is not a result of heaven and hell. Let me show you. Jesus makes it clear. So does Paul. John 5, 24, Jesus said, most assuredly, so he's making it clear, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You see that? He's saying that's the judgment dealing with hell, that you have, you pass from death, eternal death to life, so you will not be judged if you're saved, right? But there's another judgment. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Paul said, for we all must stand before Christ to be judged. He's writing to the church in Corinth right there. He's writing to the church. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So you see that? There's two different judgments. There's the judgment that results in condemnation, hell, for those that are not saved. But if we're saved, we're still going to be judged. And it's really a judgment on a reward basis, right? Like you get rewarded at school. A child gets rewarded if they do good. They maybe get a gene day or they get something at work. If you do well at work, you know, right, you, you get an end-of-the-year evaluation. You're judged on your performance, and you either get a raise or you get a demotion, right? That's the, the, the concept here that James is talking about, right? So here are a few things we'll be judged on. We'll be judged on our words. Notice he starts out by the words spoken to the two visitors, the rich person and the poor person in James 2, 3. What we say to people and how we say it will come up before God. So he said, if you say to this person, hey, sit at the best seat, then you say to this person, hey, go sit on the floor, stand over there. You're treating him a certain way, but he's talking about your words right out the gate. Even our careless words will be judged. Did you know that? Look what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. I knew I would not get one amen on that one. Ain't nobody's encouraged by that word because everybody's thinking like, really? Like some people even say, man, what if our words like get played back on a screen when we stand up? I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord, please. No, like I'm sure you're with me, right? You will be judged on every idle word. Again, it's not a condemnation to hell, but we're going to we're going to give an account is what Jesus is saying, right? Come on, just that in itself. And that's, that's hard for a brother like me that talks a lot, right? I'm, I'm, I talk, I use a lot of words, not just on Sunday mornings, but all the time. But right, but again, of course, God's, our words we speak come from the heart. So when God judges our words, he's really examining our heart, right? He's going to be examining what's coming out of our heart. So first our words, then our actions will be judged. Colossians 3.25, but if you do, see, this is what you do, your actions. It, but if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. And look at the context. For God has no favorites. You see that? The context of even saying we'll be judged by our actions towards favoritism because God has no favorites. If we treat people differently because they're different than us, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to answer for that. It is true that God doesn't hold our sins against us. He doesn't throw our sins as far as the east is to the west. We're forgiven under the blood of Jesus. He's washed us clean. But our sins affect our character and our actions. Let me say it this way. You may want to write this down. We cannot sin lightly and serve faithfully. We cannot sin lightly and serve faithfully. We can't continue to sin and serve God and serve others faithfully. Eventually, sin is going to have its effects on our character and ultimately our actions. God forgives our sins when we confess them. First John tells us that. He's faithful to forgive us our sins when we confess. But he cannot change the consequences of sin. Isn't that right? 
If someone has smoked for 20 years, ask God to forgive them and, 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 and help them deliver from cigarettes, he will. I know God will. But there might be some lung damage that's there because of all the years of smoking, right? That's just an example. You know, whatever the case may be, I knew that. I knew after getting saved in 20 years or 10 years, well, even plus 10, 15 years of living the lifestyle I was living, I remember even when my wife and I got together, uh, there was some things I was worried about because of the consequences of possible consequences of my actions. I was saved, I was forgiven, and now I was about to walk down the aisle with my bride. But there are some things in my life that could have came back and really been some poor, bad consequences that could have even affected my future with my wife. Next, our attitudes will be judged. James 13, James contrasts two attitudes, showing mercy to others and then refusing to show mercy, right? Again, it kind of goes back to refusing to forgive somebody. It's like refusing to show them mercy. If we have been, if we have been merciful towards others, God will show mercy to us. This does not mean that we earn mercy by showing mercy. Let me be clear because it's impossible to earn mercy, right? If you can earn it, it wouldn't be mercy, right? So I'm not saying that it's we earn it by like, okay, well, how many people have been mercy? No, it, it, we, we, we get God's mercy just like we get his grace. But I do believe the Bible says you reap what you sow. If I'm not merciful to Kevin and I'm hard on him and I judge him, you know what? Somewhere down the line, somebody's going to be hard on me. And then the, the truth is also down the road as well, right? I actually had that happen in my life recently where there was uh, someone, that just even in my mind, I felt like as I looked at them uh, further along down the road, I had some thoughts of what they could maybe do better. And then I got in that same situation and I did the same thing as them. And I thought I went apologize to that person and said, I need to repent to you because you know what? I judged you in my mind and I'm reaping the, the consequences of it now, right? And again, thankfully, they were gracious and said, hey, be released, brother. But it's true. That's, that's what we mean when we talk about showing mercy. Again, and, and showing mercy doesn't mean we're soft on sin. I want to be clear on that, right? Just because I'm saying you're merciful to people doesn't mean you condone or you soft on sin. Listen to me. Mercy and justice both come from God, so they're not competitors. Let me say it again. Mercy and justice, they're both from God, so they're not competitors. They don't compete with one another. See, where God finds repentance and faith, he's able to show mercy. Where he finds rebellion and unbelief, he must administer justice. It is the heart of the person that determines what treatment they get. So, hey, I want to read uh, James 12, too, as we wrap it up in a different translation. The Amplified says, so speak and so act as people should who are to be judged under the law of liberty. The moral, look at this. What's the law of liberty? The moral instruction given by Christ, watch this, especially about love. So why does James use the title, uh, this title for God's law? For one thing, we obey God's word and it frees us from sin and enables us to walk in liberty. Amen? Know God and live free, right? Through the word of God, we can not only be set free, but the law of liberty, it liberates us so we can walk and live free. But liberty does not mean license. A license to do whatever you want to do is the worst kind of bondage. Well, brother, I'm free in Christ. I can do what I want. No, that's not what it means. That's not the law of liberty, right? Liberty means we have the freedom to do and be all we can be in Christ. We can find our purpose and we can make a difference. We're free to do that, right? See, license is confinement. Liberty is fulfillment. When we have a license and think we have a license to sin and do what we want, it confines and restricts us. But liberty is fulfilling God's will for our life. God's word can change our hearts and give us the desire of God's will so that we obey because of inward compulsion, not outward constraint. We want to obey God's word from inward compulsion, not outward constraint. So as we close, this is the message of this section of James. Our beliefs control our behavior. 
If you want to know what you really believe about the Bible and God, take inventory of how you're treating people. That's another, you know, talked about the mirror. We look at the word of God and it's a mirror, right? That's how you know what you really believe is by how you treat people. So if you're treating people differently, if you're showing favoritism because people don't look like you or act like you or dress like you or have as much money or, or have a status that you do or vice versa or, or you're, 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 you're embarrassed of the poor or you're trying to get close to the wealthy to try to get something. And guess what? The Bible says that that's not the kind of faith we should have in Christ. If we really believe Jesus is the Son of God and that God is gracious, he is true to his word and one day will judge us, then our conduct towards others will reveal our convictions. Amen? So as I end today, as I just mentioned, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins? You remember that last, this last point was about judgment. And that part of judgment, again, is not that a judgment of hell for believers. But Jesus said that in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Well, we usually stop at 60. 17 goes on to say, verse 17, Jesus said, he didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save it. But all those that reject him have already been judged, right? And that word, it means judge is a condemnation to hell eternally. Not because Jesus wants them to. Jesus said, I've done everything I can do to keep you out of hell and get you into heaven. But we must accept them. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? What do you believe? Our behavior determines what we really believe. What do you believe about Christ? About Jesus? Do you believe he's the son of God? You believe he died on the cross for your sins? Every week I ask if you, if today was your last day, where would you spend eternity? Where would you be? Again, this week reminds me, think about Erica, 37 years old, y'all. She wasn't feeling good. Her husband takes her to the hospital. Next day, takes her back, or she went to the walking clinic. Then the hospital, he left. Jade left to go get his kids from school. Before he got back, they called him and said she was gone. Had no idea. There was nothing terminal wrong that they knew of. She just wasn't feeling good. And now she slipped into eternity. 37 years old, it just reminds me week in and week out of how quick we can be going. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know, we're just two more services this week, tomorrow, Friday. If these were one of my services, where would you be spending eternity right now? Could you imagine going to the doctor not feeling good and the next thing you know, your life has ended and you're in eternity? Where would you be? If you're not sure right now, if you can't say 100% where you would be, then you're not right with the Lord and you need to repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, and he'll save you and you'll be eternally secure. If that's you, you say, Brandon, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity, but I want to be sure. Just slip up your hand this morning. Say, man, I need to get right. I see your hands right here in the middle, in the back right here, right here, sir. Thank you. Praise God. Over here in the back to my right. More hands going up. Anybody else? Right here. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Come on, can we all make that confession What that comes from faith today? Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I ask that you forgive me and I make you my Lord and Savior. And give me the grace and the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
and amen. Come on, can we celebrate with these this morning, amen? Amen. Well, if you made that decision, there's a connection card in the chair in front of you. Fill that out. Bring it to the info center. If you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. If you watch it online, same thing. You can fill out the connection link. Hey, would you stand up with me before? Don't, don't, don't leave yet. I want to pray and actually want to sing a part, just the chorus of that song that we sang earlier. Again, that was the Holy Spirit. Nathan's out this weekend, but he set up the, 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 the set list before he left. I just asked Felicia. And that song, Build My Life, that chorus goes right along. When I woke up this morning and checked what the set list was, I said, man, that goes perfect with this message, right? Because we want to build our life on Christ. He says, open up my eyes to see who you really are. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Come on, can we pray that we'll sing that together? Can we pray to ask the Lord to help us to not show favoritism to others? Maybe you have been showing favoritism. Maybe you've been judging people, even in your mind, or how you speak to them, about them, or treat them. Can we repent this morning and ask the Lord to forgive us and to help us to show no favorites? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us. Forgive us, Lord, for showing any favoritism towards other people, whether it's based on race or the way that they drive or the way that they dress or the way that they live or the the, the financial or social status they may have. Lord, would you help us to see everyone the way you see them, Lord? Could you help us, Lord, in Jesus' name by by the power of the Holy Spirit to show love, to to walk in love towards others, even though they're living a lifestyle contrary to your word, what we believe. Lord, we don't have to to, uh, condone uh, the sin. We don't have to agree with it, but we can still love them as people loved me and loved us and prayed us into the kingdom. Help us to walk in that same love. Come on, let's sing this out just as a prayer and a declaration to the Lord before we leave this morning. Come on, sing it out. Sing, I will build and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will put my trust Lord, lead us in your love today, Lord. 
Come on, whether you, you're going to the restaurant today, at work tomorrow, at school, whatever you're doing, come on, can we pray that, Lord, would you lead us in your love to those around us, Lord? Help us to obey the law of love. We can only fulfill, Lord God, this command and this scripture, Lord God, that we read about today, if the love of God is in us. Holy Spirit, fill us with your love. Help us to see you as you really are and to see people as you see them. I pray you help us as we go today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. If you need prayer for anything today, we'll be at the altar uh, to pray with you. Not God bless and try to stay dry.